Today, I'm thrilled to have a real fintech heavyweight as my guest. I'm joined by no other than Balanj Minnai, the main character in one of the most inspiring Hungarian startup stories. This episode will be a bit different from what you are used to, as we'll try to make it a bit more personal, following Balazs' path, becoming a startupper, an entrepreneur, a manager, an investor, and a serial entrepreneur. Welcome to Fintech Flow, where we deep dive into the depth and complexity of successful startups, sit down with bright fintech minds, and bridge together the gap in mindset between the legacy players and today's innovators. With 10 years' experience as a manager in the financial sector, MIT-certified fintech expert Linda Schalai is prepared to put it all in play and to follow the flow. I'm pretty sure most of you are familiar with his name, but for those of you who live under a rock, I'll try to summarize his career. He was a startupper when this word did not even exist, starting his garage company right after high school in 1997 in Miskolc together with a few friends. This was called IND Group and was a leading digital banking software provider. By 2014, they had 230 employees in eight countries, serving 30 banking clients. That was when a big global player on this field, MySys, acquired IND Group, which could still operate as a separate division within MySys, having Balash as general manager of digital channels. After MySys was merged into Finastra, the third largest financial technology company in the world, Balash became chief digital officer and vice president of Finastra. In the meantime, in 2015, he co-founded CodePool, which is a leading education and sourcing partner built to train coders with real-life project experience. He also co-founded BNL Growth, which is a fintech-focused smart money company that helps startups and scale-ups by investing, mentoring, and connecting them to financial institutions. Last year, in September 2018, he returned to Hungary and joined WAP as president and investor. WAP is a fintech startup that transforms the way banks generate digital revenue and interact with clients through AI-powered experiences. Balázs, welcome to Fintech Flow. Thank you very much. So let's talk a bit about the very beginning. In 1997, you co-founded IND Group. Can you tell a bit about those times, the people who were around you and the reason why you founded the company? Yeah, that's it's a very interesting story. You know that in 1997, we just recently finished the high school. And even if I went to, to a law school, so actually I, I have a legal diploma, but uh, on those times, we had a lot of technology friends. Technology friends at that time, it was, do not mean too much, just people who are using internet already. And you know, that's even if in a, in a global world that was quite common, in Hungary in 1997, that was not that typical that the people already working and doing something online. And uh, we didn't have too much. We just were sure that we want to do something around the, the web. And uh, to be honest, how we started, it was a very classical web design studio. And after a few projects, what we had, we realized that somehow we need to get more specified on this field. And we met with a German company called Brokart Technologies. And Brokart was one of the leaders in the e-banking scene. However, e-banking scene was quite new on the market. And we started to work with them. And we find the best people around us, which means that high school classmates, friends from the street, plus friends from our, our year made from the universities. And uh, these people together, 10, 12 people at, uh, at the first meetings and the first uh, projects, 
we just started to do and a partner for Brocard Technologies. And even Brocard did not believe that we will be able to sell something. They just believed that there's going to be a very cheap sources from Hungary. We almost immediately were able to make a sales deal in Austria in a bank which was called at that time Bank Austria Credit Anstalt, later on HVB, and after that Unicredit, and to CIB Bank in Hungary. So that was our two first major clients when we realized what does it mean e-banking. Did you find these clients that you mentioned by yourself and could you build a product with your talent and with the knowledge that you had? Yeah, it's a very interesting period of my life because I was the kind of like the main sales guy and uh, I'm just recently found the, the original pipeline what I built. It was nothing more just than a, a classic notebook, I mean an offline one. And I listed all of the Hungarian and international bank in the region with phone numbers. But the phone numbers was nothing more just the central number of the bank. So that's how we started, to be honest, with cold calls. So, that's wow. <laughs> so we just started to call them and talk about it. Okay, we just want to provide internet banking for you. But of course, on the other hand, that we have a we were backed by Brokart, who was a strong German brand. And uh, until 2003, we were able to ride on this wave. Uh, the Brokart was a high flyer, and uh, we were able to go in with them as an integration partner. But in 2003, when the balloon is popped up, Brokart from one day to another went bankrupt. And we found ourselves that, oh, we already have 50 people and uh, in a quite nice uh, client base, but... Our revenue is mainly based on the Brocard technologies, which is at the moment is under insolvency. So how we are able to survive. And finally, thanks to my co-partner friend, Roland, who was living in Germany, we decided in a very risky step that we acquired in a piece of the Brocard. So actually together with the IP of the technology, so the software itself and plus the, the, the major client contracts. So when we were you know, 20, 23, 24 years old, we just found ourselves in a situation that we acquired a German company uh, with a global global footprint and we tried to just reorganize the whole company after the bankruptcy. And of course, the reorganization, it was not that difficult for a Hungarian who came from Mishkots because we just simply tried to pull, uh, pull all the developers from Stuttgart and the technology thing uh, developed in, in, in Budapest and Mishkots. So just immediately we were able to save a lot of cost. Plus we were able to take over the clients who were in a not easy situation because they need the support. And we were able to going forward. However, we realized that the technology itself is just get a little bit outdated. So we need to get going forward and we need to develop our own propriety new version of the Brocard software. And uh, that was the point where we decided that we need an investor who are able to financing this uh, new investment. And uh, finally, we agreed with Euroventures in 2000, end of 2006, and they invested in the company heavily into the, into the product development. So what I can hear out from this is that you started with cold calls to banks, but then you got some possibilities on the way and you were brave enough to take them. And sometimes you were very brave taking really risky decisions. 
Was it typical throughout your journey that your risk-taking ability is quite high and that recognizing the possibilities on the way and utilize them, even if they are risky, is very key? Yeah, this is, it's a very good question because I'm always taking to myself as well. So that's uh, how we were able to take the risk to be able to make this decision. However, you know, on those times, we did not calculate too much the risk. We just try to manage it somehow, how we are able to solve the problems. And this was very typical. So that's, to be honest, when we were in, uh, in 2003, after the balloon popped up, we did not have too much to lose. So we were still in the almost, almost just recently finished the uni. We did not have family. We did not have real cost. Actually, even the, the people who worked with us, they were really project-based employees. So that's if we have project, we pay them. If we don't have, we did, we did not. So that's, we just want to going forward. And uh, of course, if you already have a really settled, settled up company with, uh, with a difficult organization and a lot of uh, uh, pay, people on the payroll, that's completely different. But we were quite lucky with the situation that we were just in an early phase, uh, stage and we were able to manage it without real cash flow, actually. And after when the Euro Ventures came into the company, of course, we need to reorganize everything for a professional model so that we became a real company. And uh, and they were really good on that, that they explained to us that how the financials are working, what is the reporting, how it works to be able to provide something for an investor. And Year by year, we just developed ourselves that how we could be in a better managers and, and, and leader of the company. It's, it's a nice story. And uh, then let's go a little bit uh, even forward to, to 2014. What we know is that MISIS acquired IND Group, and it was one of the biggest deals in the Hungarian startup uh, history. I could ask you about the price and how it felt to be part of such a success. But actually, what I'm more interested in is if it was so successful. Why did you decide to sell it and become part of a big global company? And uh, was it obvious for everyone that this is the right decision or did it cause any disturbance between founders? Yeah, this is a very good question as well. You know, to be honest, if I would have the experience what I have it today, and I would have it in uh, 2014, probably I would make in a different decision. But uh, on those times, that was the logical next step to going forward. So that we survived three big crises. That's one is the, when the volume popped up. Na- later on, that's when, uh, when the financial crisis hit us. And after, you know, the Hungarian downturn was also very strong. So the mortgage downturn. And... You know, we survived all of this. And when you're managing a lot of problems and up and downs, sooner or later you decided, okay, probably we need more stability. Mm-hmm. And we already have the MySys as a partner. And we already see them, that's how they're operating, how stable is the company, how well developed it. And me, myself, was also you know, keen to see that how is a re- really big corporate working, what is the possibility are you are able to going forward on that journey. And uh, that was the logical next step to going together with them. It was a long process. So actually there was many companies who tried to bidding for, for IND because we were quite popular on the market. So it was good from the pricing point of view. Um, 
on the other hand, MySys was a little bit closer than the others on the on the bidding process because they were our partners as well. Who played main roles in this deal, and what were the motivation of the different characters? Yeah, that you know that we were four of us as as funding funding partners in the company. Everybody has a little bit different uh, motivation. Plus, the investor has a very simple motivation. They just uh, were keen that how they are able to make a financial success. And of course, the the MySys motivation was that okay, they are a co-banking vendor who are really good in the co-banking field, but the the global trend is going to digital, so they need to have something which is getting closer them to the digital field, and uh, that was the reason, the rationale behind the the acquisition. And me myself, I was quite lucky because I got an, uh, you know, I was just thirty thirty seven years old. And I got in a, in a global board position at MySys, uh, working together with A-level top managers. I, I really loved them, loved to work with them. And it was so good experience to see that how the Vista, who was the owner of the MySys, managing the whole company, managing the whole transformation. It was a really nice journey to, to being in a top manager in a, in a global company. It's interesting that you say that because I was about to ask you about this part if it was a good uh, experience as uh, I guess before that, ever since high school, uh, you could create what you believed and decide the directions you wanted to go and you could make your own decisions together with the founding partners. But then you became part of a big corporation and I'm really interested in how did it affect you to to be part of a global organization where I guess there was much more rules to follow and much less freedom to enjoy. Yeah, you know, that's, of course, there is a flip side of the, of the story that you know, I was a CEO from the high school, so that I was always the leader of the company. And uh, of course, I need to negotiate with all of the points with my founding partners, but uh, my founder partners, but, you know, in a big corp, it's very difficult to pushing forward something what you what you believe it's the good thing, and it it was always a break on me. So that's how you are able to achieve the 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 good decision or, or push it forward on a big on a big organization. The good decisions and this is not easy. So that's uh, and this is not about the top management. The top management of the company has a very clear vision. I mean, generally that's what I see. That that's why they are really good managers. But there is always an layer of middle management who you know they just living in the process and not in the solution and not in the vision and when you do not have the whole company behind you buying into your vision it's very difficult to to manage it and the good thing at the IND was that it's not just me myself and my founder partners but also the whole company was had, had a real buy-in into into the IND vision and they follow us like, you know, not just employees, but, but real people who feel themselves in a, in a part, part of the journey. And this is what disappeared after the acquisition. And, you know, of course, there is always a shadow side of an integration, but roughly the 4% of all, all employees is changed in a first one and a half year. Wow. So that's, it's, the company size has been stable and the same but the people changed and different people came in who were much more familiar with the 
with the global company rules and, and processes, but all the people who was believing the creativity and the agility of IND, they left and they went to other places. That should have been an interesting and difficult challenge to to handle. Yeah, definitely. It was a very hard and tough decision to let them go. And not just those ones who really left the company, but the other ones as well, because it was not my child anymore. Mm-hmm. So I, I was responsible for this part of the company, but from a different, absolutely different angle. So I was not the people manager anymore. And what about your co-founders, the partners? I guess it should also have changed the dynamics between all of you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that definitely. That, you know, that's uh, Roland, one of my co-founder partners, left the biases quite early. So that's almost right after the, the acquisition. Josef was with me for a, for a year. But after he founded BNL, then I became an investment partner. And Gabor was founder of the Code Group. So that's the connection and the network between us is still there. Of course, we are friends from the childhood, but uh, but it, it immediately changed the dynamics in the I mean inside the company. But you were able to keep a good personal re- relationship, which maybe now you can utilize also professionally. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's no question. You know, that's for example, Joseph. I, I, sometimes I I'm, I'm categorizing him as my second wife because you know, <laughs> we know each other very well. You say it's not a question, but I would think when it's so much on the table, it it can be easy to to screw it on a personal level as well. Yeah, that. But you know. It's much more easier to screw it up when you are in the same company. Sometimes when you <laughs> okay. are not, that's the, the responsibility and, you know, the daily conflict is, is just simply less and less. So that we, I, I'm so proud of him, how we managed to keep this team together, not just uh, the founders itself, but the management of IND. Because the good thing in this management form was that there were so many different people with so many different skills and so many different ambitions. And we always hardly negotiated on everything. So there was not just simple discussion, but real tough discussions and real, real tough negotiations, each of every management of founders meeting. And, and that which is makes the, the story just stronger and stronger. It was a typical decision-making process at IND that you all argued about everything. And then you needed to get to a consensus or was it you as a CEO who needed to make the decision? We never made a vote, any single real voting on a, on, the, on, a, on a director's meeting. So that later on, it was not just the founders, but all the directors was at, at the table. And But it does not mean that you need to have a con- consensus. It means that you need to at least arguing on a way that they, they accept. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I, I just learned that the mice is so it's not my invention, but, uh, you know, that it's also possible that you accept and follow, but do not, you know, understand all the argument that you have. So that if, if you are a manager, you need to follow the, the, the company decision, even if you are not 100% accept. Exactly. That should have been a bit more difficult. Yeah, exactly. To, to follow. Um, 
let's talk a little bit about all your different roles because I think it's uh, quite unique and for me at least it's really interesting. You started your garage company, we can say, during your university years and then became an entrepreneur at a corporation, at your own corporation, then a manager at a global corporation and in the meantime an investor and a mentor. It's not typical that a founder is able to successfully go through all these phases as they require quite different mindset and skill set and personality. What is the secret behind always taking the next step successfully and uh, how can you prepare yourself for that? Well, the, to be honest, there is no secret spice or, or something which I, I would be able to share in a sentence and everybody would be able to replicate. Damn. And it's also true that it's a success in a way because it's a career path and you can clearly see, especially backwards, that how <laughs> successful was it. But, you know... It, it just simply worked because I was able to change myself after a certain time. So when I was the founder of the original IND company, which was a really small one, I just handled it as a, you know, with my, with my hands, how it's the whole operation of a company is working. So I transferred the money from the bank account and, you know, managed it as a, as a, as a really small startup. Later on, when it's became a bigger company, I was able to turn or step up as a CEO and being a leader of the company and being the visionary person who are able to build in a bigger, bigger and bigger network with the international clients. And later on, I just turned to a manager in a big corp and I was really there to listening and learn how it's working. And it's after three and four years, or three and a half years, that I feel that I have already these skills. But... The truth is that if I would be able to make these transformations in a much more shorter, shorter period, probably the IND success would be even bigger. So, you know, it was a long journey. So it's right now, it looks that, wow, that's a, what a nice career path. But uh, from 97 to 2014 and <laughs> until today, this is more, more than 20 years. So that, uh, of course, it was the best period of my life because... You you have the young curiosity and creativity that you want to try everything. But uh, on the other hand, this is, takes time. Yes, I, I agree with you. It takes time. But still, if we look around the world and maybe the best known examples are not good examples like uh, Facebook or Apple, but very many startup companies, it is really typical that there are entrepreneurs who are great at starting something up but at a scale-up phase or when they go global they are maybe not able to manage the company successfully so still i understand it takes time but it should have taken some transformation within you as well to be able to fulfill all these roles yeah i just you are absolutely right and probably that was the reason why i sold the company because you know that i was not prepared enough to being in a step forward and not just an, an international 230 company, but a 2,000 people company. But that was the reason why I want to go to the big corp to understand how the 1,000 people or 10,000 people company is working. And probably this is the experience what I will be able to reuse with my next ventures. And, you know, sometimes I need to, you know, break a little bit myself when, I, when I'm talking with the the new CEOs in the new ventures and the, the, where we're investing in at BNL, because I see 
what they should know and I see what how they should act. But this is a transition which takes for me or took for me 10 years. I can't, be, you know, that's a, I'm just waiting for them that they are able to change from here to there in a day. So you let them make the mistakes that you... They must do it, yeah. Of course, we try to mentoring them. But mentoring is, does not mean that we are able to replace them or we are able to make the decisions uh, instead of that. What kind of mentor are you? What are the values that you follow when you mentor other CEOs or startupers? Hmm. Very difficult to answer because I believe I'm still a quite good CEO and a quite good leader and I'm a quite good manager already. But I'm not pretty sure I'm the best mentor at the moment because I did not prove the success yet. Hopefully, I will be able to make this transformation as well and I'm going to be a good mentor. But uh, this is something which is my new role and I need to learn how it's working. This is very typical nowadays that successful entrepreneurs after the exit turn to an investor. Oh, actually, this is the, the classical career path. However, you know, probably just generate from good entrepreneurs to bad investors. <laughs> it's, it's not proved yet. That's I, I see a lot of friends around me who who made the same career journey. That uh, you know, a lot of my best friends also made an exit. That was how we collected together. So that's our 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 network. But it's not proved yet that they are able to make in a second time, in a third time, in a fourth time, because. Leading a company is not the same than investing into a company. So I think it is, this is a profession and I'm not proved yet that I'm good in it. You're doing your journey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. So I go back a little bit. You said that after becoming a good CEO, you needed to learn how to become a great manager. And maybe that was part of your motivation why you wanted to work in MySys and then after that in 2017 became vice president and chief digital officer of Finastra, which is the world's third largest financial technology company. So that is big and that is global. I guess you could learn some management there. But what I can see is that one year later, you came home to join a three-year-old Hungarian fintech startup. So I'm really interested in the motivation behind both personally and on a professional level. You know, I made it very clear to to Mises and my, my my boss, the CEO of Mises as well, that I really want to be here to understand how it's working. And this is a learning curve for me. You but did? I, yeah, I did. And But I'm an entrepreneur and I'm building um, stories. And I, I ensured them that I'm going to be with the company until a certain point. But uh, it's not for forever. And you know, the, the answer was very interesting because not the emails were me that you know, Balaj, we are top managers. We are not here forever. But we do not talking about this. <laughs> so that, that was a really good answer. And this is fair enough, you know, that his career is also jumping from this role to another role. And he's already not the CEO of my sister, actually, Finastra. So that he's already in role. So, but he never, you know, told to the, to the, to the Vista guys that, you know, I have a plan of three years or something like this. So that I just thought that this is the fair, but in the manager world, this is working different. So that was clearly my plan. I did my plan. It actually, it was a year longer than I expected. And uh, the whole role, especially the 
managing the merge of Finastra and being the chief uh, digital officer, it was incredible, nice experience. And on the other hand, I was able to build a global network as a CDO of 10,000 people company. It was, you know, I'm traveling all around 80 countries and, and managing in a global business line. It's really, really interesting, but I just want to build own stories. And hopefully this ex uh, experience is going to be replicable in a smaller scale up and we will be able to following similar stories. So you say you're an entrepreneur. Were you born like an entrepreneur or is it something that people can learn, you think? Definitely something that you need to learn. So um, I, I believe I did not born with entrepreneurial DNA. So it's, uh, I believe I was open enough to be open and brave enough to make the first steps. But just to be 100% honest, that probably I would never start any company if I, wouldn't, if, if I would not have my co-founder partners. Because we were together brave enough to make it mm -hmm. and we were together uh, good enough to, to manage it. So it's standalone, probably none of us would be able to make the same success. I again go back a little bit when you said if uh, the success is reputable. I'm curious about that. Also, in the Silicon Valley, they say that a good entrepreneur is, is the one who is actually a good serial entrepreneur. So being able to repeat the success with new and new ventures and new and new ideas and companies. And also, once you said in an interview that it's not the idea that defines success, but the key is the people. Adding all this and also what you said, do you believe that the success of IND Group is repeatable? Maybe even faster or bigger, having all your experience behind it? That's definitely my clear vision. I can't guarantee, but all of the investors behind me believe that this is this is how it's working. I I really believe that the people is more important in a company than the idea itself. So I'm, I'm almost 100% sure that the IND, even if we were probably the best on the market in digital banking, it's the digital banking, it's not matters. We would be able to build so many different kinds of things if we would focusing on that one. We had really good people behind and not just the management, but also the, the developers who were really talented and not just in the development, but also to understand that what is the goal, what we want to achieve. And they made the whole transformation together with us. So that's from the people from the Mishkos Technology University, they become real global architects who really understand the global fintech market, probably better than myself. So that's uh, especially some point. And, you know, they really grew up to be able to make it. So these people together were the power of IND. These brains together was the power of IND and not the technology itself, which is more or less replicable. And there were other companies who also had very similar technologies. You know, we manage the companies. Leadership is really important skills. Of course, Managing the people is also a very important skill. I think in the last 20 years, it was well underrated that what does it mean the role of HR? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, as 
he myself as a CEO was always involved into the HR role. Probably that was one of the uniqueness with which uh, Ryan did it very well. So he managed the talent much better than others. And that's why, why we were able to be more efficient with our intellectual capital. If an HR manager would come to you for an advice, one advice to give to an HR manager, what would that be? You know, I, I, I do not have a clear advice to the HR manager, but I have a clear advice to the CEOs that HR is a CEO role. The CEO is the top HR manager of the company. It doesn't matter how big company I'll be talking about. That's important. Yeah. After having so much success in the past 20 years, I would think it's not easy to find motivation. So in your upcoming journey, what is your main motivation and what are the values that you really want to follow? No, it's not hard to find new motivation. It's very easy to find new motivation. I just need to control myself that keep the focus on the right motivations. You know, that uh, there is so many things which is different in the in the continental entrepreneurship than in the US ones. So, so for example, in the US, that's the success what I made. It's still not achieved the level of limit, which is interesting for anybody because it's, you know, the US is a different size. And, uh, and also the serial entrepreneurs, there are so many. So that's, there is a good, you know, practice what you are able to follow. Here, especially in Central Eastern Europe, this is something new, which is, did not exist in the past. So that's, we just creating the new path to entrepreneurship. And this is also a motivation that we build something for the next generation who are coming right behind us and probably at one point they're going to be faster than we are and they take it taking over the roads and this is which is super cool to see that how the culture of entrepreneurship in hungary is changing in the last 20 more uh, 20 years that uh, there are so many good talents all around not just in fintech but any other startup ecosystem that um, who managing really well and the success is just coming day by day you see and better and better deals better than better companies so it's 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 one of the things when I what what I believe me myself and also my friends were part of it. So it's um, it's I think it's a historical moment. Yeah. Good motivation for sure. Looking at your activity as an investor, I cannot stop thinking that it feels like you want to give something back and help others. Giving back maybe starts with Mishkorts, where you have always been present with your companies, but Code Police. A good example as well. At the same time, it is trying to find an answer to a, a structural problem of the labor market, but also provides opportunities for its students to change their life. And with BNL growth, you work for better financial world for by helping uh, startups or scale ups create their own success stories. Am I right to sense a kind of give back to the society here, or is it hardcore business? Business is business. That is. No room for just for being for passion. So I think what we do here is, is hardcore business. On the other hand, of course, why we do this business, there is all, always a better goal what we want to achieve. And it was, it takes time to realize what is your why in, in your company. It doesn't matter if you are an employee or if you are a manager or a, or a, or a shareholder, but you need to understand the why to be able to get your motivation 100% ensured. And uh, 
code cool? Yeah, this is a super nice story because we're giving an opportunity for people to have a new life and they are able to build a completely new career. At, at WAP, of course, that we are able to give the people much more better financial and easier to understand the financial life. But on the other hand, that the motivation is important, how we are able to become the best in this, but it does not mean that we do not want to be a business behind. And this is also true for Mishkots. Yeah, I'm a very strong Mishkotzer, so that's I, I, you know, calling myself as born and grew up there, and I got a lot of things from the city. And of course, I have some things which is I'm managing through a foundation, but the business is business. So let's be going to Mishkots because there are still talented people that are still cheaper than any others, and we are able to find the right set of skills how we are able to build the best uh, best companies from there. But if it wouldn't be there, we wouldn't be there. Okay, so business is business. Uh, what about the foundation? That, that's a different story. That's, uh, we have a foundation in Mishkos that how we are able to keep talented people around uh, in a smaller city like Mishkos. And, you know, this is a challenge everywhere, not just in Mishkos, but uh, all smaller city, you know, have the very similar problem that even if they have the universities, after the universities, people try to move in another bigger location. And this is also an issue in Budapest because best people in Budapest going for abroad and also an issue in Munich because in Munich the best people is tried going either Berlin or London. So, you know, there are a global trend how the talents try to going together. This is the brain drain. And we can just help for those ones who do not want to go in or riding on this trend, but they try to find the possibilities that how they are able to stay and uh, enlarge their life in a, in a smaller city. So that's about the foundation. From the very early stage, we try to managing talented people to be able to stay. We and do not force them to stay. <laughs> we just want to give the opportunity to make the make the city more colorful, to make the city more interesting and more livable. So that that's a nice goal as well. Let's talk about the other side of the story. What is the biggest sacrifice you had to give for all this success? You know that you need to give up a lot of things to be able to be successful, not just in entrepreneurship, but in any way. So that's, I learned a lot from my sports career. I was never a very talented in, I mean, the best talent in any sports. I was quite good in skiing. I was quite good in basketball. I really fall in love with basketball. Used to be, I believe that I'm going to be an NBA player. But simply, I just need to realize that I didn't have the right talent to be able to make it. But I was able to build quite good skills in basketball because I was so motivated to do not spend too much time in a pub, do not drink too much together with my friends and I do not spend too much to my relatives and uh, and so on and I give up the skiing, just became a better, better basketball player. So that's, you know, it was hard decision and entrepreneurship is very, very similar. That we were good from the beginning because we worked four times much than any others. We spent 
18 hours in the office. It was not just hard work because you know it was our life. That's how we spent our lives. So I was almost no relationship other side of the professional world. And to be honest, that's the reason why all of my friends are entrepreneurs because I was not able to talk with anybody <laughs> else just for those ones who are really are in the same profession or at least interested in what, what I'm doing in my professional life. So that's a really big give up. And, um, and of course, it's coming with a lot of conflicts in, in your personal life because, you know, after a certain point, so you need to have a private life as well, which is not easy to manage together in parallel with your, with your classical entrepreneurship. Right now, I'm in a much more balanced and thanks to my wife that uh, she's able to manage our relationship in a, in a, in a nice way, but it it's needs a really strong support from, from home. Yeah. So the strong woman behind the strong man. Yeah, probably it's even stronger because, you know, managing three kids, I think it's much more difficult than managing three companies. So that's <laughs> at, at least some point. Yeah, definitely. Yes, I have two at home and it really does not sound easy to manage three for sure. You talked about sports. So this is the time when I'm going to ask you about your LinkedIn background picture. You can find that on Fintech Flow's Facebook page, but I try and describe it. You can see some snowy mountains with some hiking equipment around. Uh, it's a ski touring, yeah. Ski touring, yeah. So what does that symbolize? I, I always try to challenge myself in any way. So that's it's not just in entrepreneurship to being the best, but in everything. So that's, uh, you know, that's if I want to go in high, I want to go in the highest mountain. So that's, uh, this is coming together with your, with your risk-taken life. You know, that's, uh, you need to build on the other side of the, I mean, on, on your private life as well. So that's, I, I love the challenges and I love to do something which is able to switch off my brain in the same time. So I'm not the person really able to just lying under the bed. I, I'm under the sun because if I'm just in on the beach, I immediately take my my phone and immediately take some notes and after I'm take, answering some emails, so it's it's gone. So I need to do something which is, completely different and completely switch of your your professional brain and you know hiking skiing cycling it's definitely something which is give me energy so that's how i'm able to re-energize myself the picture itself it's uh it's it's a really nice one because i did the past there so that's probably if you zoom in into the picture you see that's my past on my skis which is came down from the petit mont blanc so that uh it was a quite hard challenge in a in a meter deep fresh snow. I guess it was not Matra. <laughs> no, it's definitely not. But, um, you know, that's I, I just simply want to symbolize that how the pass is showing on, 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 a, on, a, on a field. It's a nice one. Do you have a story about your career that you have never shared with anyone, but now you would like to share with the listeners of Fintech Flow? Ah, yeah, I would be able to share it, but uh, nobody wants to be. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> you know, we have so many colorful stories. That's really, you know, that's when you live in your life in your, in, in really in a company that there are so many stories, which is really unique. You know, just giving one example that when we acquired uh, the brocat, the piece of the brocat, that we were really university students and you know, can you imagine that there was 
the average age at Brokat was roughly around 40. And uh, that came Hungarian in the 20, in the mid-20s, and they tried to explain, okay, guys, everything what you did it yesterday, it was quite not okay, but right now we will see what is the truth and how you need to do it. So that was, <laughs> that was not easy, especially not because we really do not have money. So that's, uh, you know, we invested all of the money what we had into the acquisition, literally. So there, there was zero money. And um, we did not saw that we should live in a. We did not saw that we should live in in a hotel or something, which because it would show that we are we are spending the company money. So we lived in the office. <laughs> Actually, my partner who, who managed the, the German office, he literally lived in the office, and you know it was a really big office because it used to be there was. 400 employees and right now we had just 30 something so that that was enough space <laughs> but it, it, it was still not a flat <laughs> so that was the kind of like stories that which makes our ourselves stronger and also the Hungarian guys when you when they came to to the Stuttgart office they just went into the software room I mean the server room and they realized how strong servers are there and they went wow okay come the other admins as well and they Try to collect it, everything and rebuild it in Mishkot. So that was so nice stories that how we managed our acquisitions in a very cool <laughs> way. Uh, yeah, that that was interesting. And we several times we lived in a, I mean, spend the night in the car because you know we never thought that it would be efficient to going into the hotel. So that was that was pretty pretty interesting period. <laughs> That's a great story. Thanks for sharing. If someone wants to be a successful entrepreneur and you can recommend one book to read, which one would that be? Mm, you know, the knowledge is so difficult. And, uh, you know, even one book is means different things for different people. So I, I wouldn't be able to share one single book. But I, what I could say then that if you want to be a good entrepreneur, you need to be really open and not just to be able to sell your stories, but also listening to others. You know, the best period of my career was when when I was really a silent guy and did not talk too much because I was really had the, the capability to listen and synthesizing the, the knowledge and the simply just data what I heard. And that's how I build it myself. Right now, everybody is interesting that, okay, I want to hear something from Bolaj, but it was much more interesting for myself and I was able to hear that what others say about the world. And I never had an official mentor, but I had a lot of people in my life who helped a lot, probably even when they did not realize they helped me. Just got a lot of advice for free, what I was able to build in my professional career. Nowadays, it's maybe easier to get mentoring, but even if someone doesn't have just talk to people talk to people you look up for something and uh, try and learn from them yeah listen listen <laughs> that's that's a very important skill okay uh, i also want to ask you about uh, failure do you have i could say a favorite failure but a failure in your career that maybe hurt really much when it happened but now you think that it was very important Oh, all of your failures makes you stronger. So that, uh, of course, that's 
after a few months or after a few years, it's much more easier to categorize your failures as, okay, that was just to make the better experience. <laughs> but it's not that simple because survive the, the failures is the most critical things. Some, some of the people are simply not able to digest the failures. You know, the good thing in our story was that we were quite easy to step over the failures what we did. And we definitely did. So it's, for example, when, when Euroventures invested in our company, the full first round of investment we just spent for a version one of the product and it went to the trash without any sales. But, you know, we throw out on the window 2.8 million euro and that was a significant amount of money and, you know, we did not have the product. And the second version was significantly better but still not good enough. And the third version, we decided that's even not productized, so that's we immediately went to the fourth version. And the fourth version brings the success. So, you know, we just constantly pushed energy, money, and time to be able to achieve the right way of the software, how we are able to make it. And it takes time, it takes a lot of pain. And of course, all of the people who were really brave at the beginning, just getting more and more unconscious when when the third version is even not working. But finally, we were able to manage it. And to be honest, I don't believe in that there are lucky people and unlucky people. There are just people and probably the percentage of luckiness and unluckiness is the same for both. They just managing in a different way. You know that all of my friends believe that I'm so lucky because I always lose a lot of things around me. I mean the wallet, the notebooks and everything. And after I found it or find it. But it's it's not really true. Most probably I find it in the same ratio than anybody else. I'm just always talking about these stories because it's more colorful to talking about. Yeah, I lost something in the Singapore airport. And after when I came back to Singapore in a year and a half, that's, uh, I found it again. This is a funny story, but I'm never talking about when, oh yeah, I lost my notebook and that's it. And the story. <laughs> yeah. I see. I see. A couple of weeks ago on episode 12, I talked with the founders of Broker Chooser. And Tibor Bedo, the CEO, mentioned that when they founded the company, for him, the reason why it was most difficult to have a co-founder was that it was not easy to live with the fact that you sacrificed your money and years of your career and the success was depending on someone else as well. And now you talked a lot about failure. I would be interested if failure is something that you will always be able to accept even if other people made them. In your mind, is failure important and part of the way to success? Yeah, you know, that's because I never believed that I'm I'm doing everything right. I've always seen myself that I do a lot of failure. I was much more easier to accept from others as well. But I think it's, which is even more important is the trust. So we had a very high level of trust from the beginning in each other. And of course, we had a lot of conflicts, uh, really, you know, tough conflicts and tough negotiations but we never thought that it would work better without each other so there was a very strong connection point which is makes our makes our story stronger and we didn't want to break it up and that was the level of trust how we were able to manage it yeah this is same as a 
as a private relationship. You need to build on a level of trust to, to each other in, because it's not working without that. What I see, you know, it used to be there was a lot of questions that how we were able to manage it as friends. And they always told me that this is a very rare story because friendship is never good in business. I believe it's completely the opposite. I think friendship and the good knowledge about each other just helps to survive the very difficult phases of the, of the entrepreneurship. Interesting. Okay, I have a last question for you. If you can follow your vision and everything goes how you want it to go, where will you be and your ventures will be in five years? In five years? That's <laughs> you know, I don't know what's going to happen in five years because I believe that the people always overestimating that what's going to happen in the next three to five years and always underestimating the impact of the 10 or 15 years. So I believe that what we are working, what we are working on today it's bring the impact in, in 10 or 15 years. And hopefully my biggest impact is going to be my, my children growing up in this period and they're going to be even more successful than myself. And I'm not keen to see them as an entrepreneur. It doesn't matter. They just need to be successful on, the, on their own life. And this is also true for the companies who we are managing, that I don't want to see that they are same as I was. I just want to see them there following on their own stories. And that's what I'm waiting from the CEOs of our ventures, that they need to build on their own stories, not the copycat of Balash story or the copycat of Yosef stories. Thank you very much. Thanks for being here today. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For me, this was interesting and inspiring. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Write me on Facebook, LinkedIn or drop me a mail and let me know whom else you would love to hear on Fintech Flow. Next time we will talk about corporate innovation with Janusz Peretes, Managing Director of MKB Fintech Lab. Stay tuned and follow the flow.